Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Bob Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, as Christians, we've heard the continuous arguments back and forth about a day of rest. Another term used is a Sabbath of rest. The arguments form around if that is simply an Old Testament tradition that is no longer applicable for this modern age, or are Saturdays the day that needs to be recognized, or Sunday is the day true Christians should observe because it's the recognition of the resurrection of Christ. You know, the divides are deep on this topic, and they've resulted in some denominational splits. These arguments have split families. These arguments have affected people's employment opportunities as well. To help us understand the true biblical concept of rest is our guest today, Gregory Hall. Now, Greg was a pastor for 10 years. He served as an adjunct professor for a few local universities where he lives up in the Northwest U.S. He has a podcast called Rethinking Scripture and is the author of a great book, Rethinking Rest, Why Our Approach to Sabbath Isn't Working. I'm looking forward to this interview as I believe we'll open our eyes to what the Bible truly has to say about this topic. Help me welcome to the program, Gregory Hall. Greg, it is so good to have you on the program today, and I appreciate your willingness to come on the show and discuss this important and sometimes confusing and controversial topic with us. Well, thank you very much. I am excited to be here, and let's talk about rest. I agree. Amen. Well, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Gregory Hall? Yeah. So I am, uh, first and foremost, I like to start out by just saying I'm a family guy. I've been married 32 years. I married my high school sweetheart. Amen. And uh, we, uh, just last December, uh, hit number 32. We have two sons. Uh, they're in their mid-20s. They've both graduated from college. So my job is done as a parent, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and uh, we live in the Pacific Northwest uh, in the United States, uh, Salem, Oregon. And we uh, are lucky enough to live on five acres. And um, I've got a little tractor that I like playing around on, although I'm not necessarily a farmer. So let's get that out there right there. <laughs> I have visions of, you know, green acres, you know. Yeah, TV no, show. that's probably right. I'm <laughs> I'm riding my tractor in my suit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah. So I used to be uh, used to be a lot of things. I used to be an athlete uh, when I was coming out of high school and into college. Um but uh I had several knee surgeries in my twenties. And so that just forced me to take a look at, you know, different opportunities. And so I swim four to five days a week now. That's the wow. thing that keeps me, that puts me to bed at night. I don't know yeah. what it is for other people, but, um, if I don't get my swim in, I, I get a little restless. So, 
Yeah. yeah that's, and that's then good exercise. That's for oh, sure. it's, it's, yeah, it's a killer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I swam uh, last year. I actually went back in December and kept track. I swam 244 miles last year. Wow. Amen. So Amen. yeah, that's four to five days a week of just, yeah. yeah, getting after that's my thinking time though. Actually, True. I, yep. when I get in the water, it's the one time in my life that nobody can disturb me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I can so. understand that fully. When I was before I got injured in in uh, as a police officer, I was into running marathons and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, and, you know, just from my military days, and I got like a fifty thousand mile running certificate or something around. You know, that I got wow. from the military before, but but uh, yeah, that was my alone time. You know, where I did all my thinking. You know, and, yep. and just get out on the roads. Nobody's bothering you. Just go for it. And and I used to put in sometimes. 14, 15 miles a day. Just, you know, I, I get done cutting the grass on the weekends. Nothing to do. Until when I'm going for a run. I go out 10 miles, come back. You know? wow. <laughs> well, wow. I can understand what you're talking about with the, the swimming. Yeah. I, yeah. I tried the swimming. And I kept sinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. So it um, will wear you out. <laughs> yep. And the latest change I've made in my life is uh, I've switched to half calf in the morning. So instead of that full calf, it gets me a little jittery if I if I go the full stuff. So yeah, well, that one I'm in the opposite direction. I, oh no, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I have what's called Bob's Brew. <laughs> oh okay, I, I mix like four different things and and into what I call coffee. My wife calls it medicine. that's good (laughs) that's good anyway in in your book rethinking rest why our approach to sabbath isn't working you make a distinction between rest and sabbath can you explain that for us yeah so uh, most of the time when i start talking about this in front of a group or something i'll just ask the question when i when i say biblical rest because i say my book is a theology of biblical rest I asked the question, when I say biblical rest, what comes to mind? And, you know, people will come up with different things from either Old Testament or New Testament, but usually the conversation will venture into what they call the Sabbath. And when they, what they mean by that, when they, when they start talking about Sabbath is actually the fourth commandment, the seventh day Sabbath. So, What's interesting, though, is when we go back into the Bible and we look at the whole theology of rest, because it starts, you know, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 with the creation account, it goes all the way through to the book of Revelation in the new heavens and the new earth. So they're kind of bookends on um, uh, on a cosmos at, at rest under God's authority, right? And then we get these pictures of rest in the middle of something that was lost and something that will be regained. But we get these pictures of rest. And the fourth commandment is just one of many pictures that we have in the Bible. So my difference, the difference between biblical rest and a Sabbath is really all Sabbath is, is the ceasing. That's kind of the Hebrew meaning of the word is to cease. And we assume that it's the definition given in the fourth commandment, you know, cease work one day a week. Uh, That's what the fourth commandment talked about. But in reality, I think when 
when we hear Jesus talking about it, and we hear the author of Hebrews talking about it, we're talking about the bigger topic of biblical rest. And that just brings up the question, well, what does ceasing have to do if it doesn't mean stop work one day a week? And so therein lies the conversation that usually gets started when I talk to groups. Okay. Amen. Amen. And, you know, we know some denominations that follow the tradition, you know, that Saturday is the biblical day of the Sabbath, yeah. right? And we yeah, also have yeah. many Christian denominations in particular that recognize Sunday is the Sabbath day because that's the day of the week Jesus rose from the dead. And I guess I have two questions on this point. Does it matter as long as we're recognizing a day of rest as a Sabbath? And if it does matter, which day is correct? Oh, well, just put me on the spot early here. That's good. Go. I like I'll that. Because I'll sit back, take a sip of coffee now. <laughs> <laughs> Stir the pot a little bit. That's nice. Yeah. So does it matter? Well, of course it matters because anything that's important to God, you know, should matter to us, even if we don't realize it. Right. So the question, though, that you asked, is it Saturday or Sunday, I think may have a fallacy in it. And no uh, no problem with you there. It's just a fallacy that we have in our culture. And because when we start talking about Sabbath, we assume, like I said earlier, we assume that the seventh-day Sabbath or a one-day-a-week observance, however we view that, we assume that that's kind of the crown jewel of what's available right now. And so... Um, to ask, is it Saturday or Sunday? Well, those aren't even the options uh, <laughs> because, you, you know, you've pointed out Saturday, Old Testament Sabbath, right? Friday night sundown yep. to Saturday night sundown would be the yep. typical way that is viewed. And then some people in the New Testament, uh, we uh, some people today notice that in the New Testament, people are gathering on Sunday. That's the day of the Lord's resurrection, as you mentioned. So, there's a whole theology that says that maybe the Sabbath moved to Sunday for New Testament people. But then there was a guy named Martin Luther that came around in the 1500s, and he realized uh, that there were more than uh, more than one or two people that had to work on Sunday. The pastors being one of them, by the way, right? <laughs> yep, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. So um, Luther introduced the idea, you know, if your schedule doesn't allow you to uh, observe Sabbath on Sunday, you could move that to another day of the week. And then eventually that morphed into, in our American freedom, you know, uh, democracy moving across the world. That moved into, you know what, I'm kind of more in control of this Sabbath idea, so I can piecemeal it even if I got three hours on Monday afternoon, maybe four hours on Thursday, and then maybe Saturday morning. That's my Sabbath. And so people have been not being able to land on a definition of what the Sabbath is, the seventh-day Sabbath. And what that has done, it has caused... A uh, theological cul-de-sac is what I call it, because we get into conversations about what the Sabbath is, and we can't even decide what an equal definition of the term is. I mean, we get so caught up in trying to to define what the seventh-day Sabbath concept is that we never get past that concept to the bigger, larger theology of rest right. that the Bible offers. And I think it's those conversations. So even in your question, right? Is it Saturday or Sunday? That's 
typical what I would get uh, well, I don't. from That's people. I threw it out there at first. <laughs> yeah, it's typical of what people want to know. They want to know, is it Saturday or Sunday? Or can I have it another day of the week? Or can I piecemeal it? And I just sort of back away from that question. And I said, well, we're talking in that question, we're talking about the seventh day Sabbath. That's the fourth commandment. But that's not all about what the Bible has to say about Sabbath. And in reality, where my book lands, I'll just get it out there early here, where my book lands is the seventh day Sabbath was only always supposed to be a reminder of a larger Sabbath idea. And so when people practiced the seventh day Sabbath, the fourth commandment out of the Ten Commandments, what was supposed to happen was they were supposed to be remembering something larger than just that. And the problem is we've made the fourth commandment into something in and of itself. And so when we when we practice a fourth commandment one day a week or any variation of that, we tend to think that we are fulfilling the idea of Sabbath. And that's not at all what the Bible has to say about it. Amen. And, and a question that comes up frequently is, is this. You know, in Genesis, we see that God rested, as you said, on the seventh day. Some yeah. people ask, well, if God's all powerful, why did he need to rest? Okay. In, <laughs> exactly. in your book, you share a different perspective on that view. Share that with us. Yeah. So uh, there's a biblical scholar out there uh, in uh, at Wheaton College in the United States, and uh, his name is John Walton, and he's written several books. He's He's a well-respected Old Testament scholar, and one of the things he's brought to the table, um, better, I think, than most other Old Testament scholars, is he's gone into the extra-biblical sources of the same time period and culture as the Bible. And in those extra-biblical sources, what he's found is creation accounts by written by pagan sources about pagan gods. So it's not the biblical account at all, but some of those stories have similarities. Um, and one of the similarities is at the end of the creation account in the pagan stories, the victorious God, uh, because there was a battle, because there's more than one God, they have to battle to decide who creates the universe and the cosmos. The one that won builds a temple, he places his image within the temple, and then he rests. It, it actually says he rests. But in that context, what John Walton found out is that when it says in a pagan source that the God rests, it's not taking a day off. It's actually talking about sitting down on the throne and actually beginning his rule. So Amen. in, yeah, the modern example would be uh, let's say in uh, a football coach uh, at a college, uh, the football coach gets hired. He's got a lot of things to do before the season starts. Sometimes he hires coaches and recruits players and orders equipment. These are all uh, formation things. But once the once the actual um, season starts and he gets out on the field, that's kind of the ruling of the football coach. I mean, everything else is preparatory. And so you've got this preparatory idea and then this, I'm actually doing 
I'm in charge and I'm running the show. And that's what rest is in an ancient Near Eastern context. And so what Walton has done, to get to your question, <laughs> so what Walton has done is come back into the Bible because he's a Bible scholar. He's taken that information from a similar ancient culture, similar idea of you know, setting up a cosmos and things like that. And he sees the similarities that the biblical story has, which makes sense because it would have been written to people so they could understand it in that time period. But then he says, oh, it's interesting that in the biblical story, God rests on the seventh day. And we've always assumed, not having extra biblical help in this area, we've always assumed, like you said, that God's taken a day off. And that just prompts the obvious questions. <laughs> Why is God taking a day off? He's all-powerful. He doesn't need a break. And all those are true. And so the idea of God resting as, and if we define it as a physical rest, that just never really made sense theologically. And the best that we've come up with that I've been able to find is that people say that God is modeling for humanity what he wants humanity to do, which just gets back to the idea that really one day a week is the end all, the crown jewel. And that's, again, missing the point. <laughs> if, if God's rest on day seven is not taking a break, is not taking a day off, but is really him ceasing one activity, the organization of the cosmos that he did on days one through six. And he ceases that activity, activity, but he begins another activity. And if that activity is actually the ruling of the cosmos, if that's the way we're supposed to understand it, well, that really gives a different definition to the idea of rest because we've, We've gone one direction with rest, and the Bible may be trying to take us a different direction. And so, hence hence the name of my book, Rethinking Rest, right? Yeah, amen, amen. Because I want to hold that thought and then come back and, and, and hit it from another direction. Yeah. You know, we talked about and, and a few minutes ago about, you know, professions at work on Sunday or on Saturday. You know, I was in the military, also in law enforcement. We were required to work rotating schedules that included working, you know, rotating weekends. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we're off, sometimes we're on. Hospitals and other professions do the same thing. And what you're saying is that the biblical day of rest and the Sabbath isn't what we were taught it meant, but just that we were to be part of our routine. I mean, as long as we are resting at some point, you know, they're, they're not really in sin working on a work schedule. Yeah. They're, that's their, if that's what their employment is requiring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So let's back away from the topic a little bit even more, because I think, um, as Jesus does with a lot of topics, he turns everything upside down. I mean, he's often, it's often described as an upside down kingdom, Jesus's kingdom, right? Yeah. Um, I like to think of it the other way. I think Jesus's kingdom is the right side up one. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd like to think Amen. <laughs> the Amen. one we're under is the upside down kingdom. So it is opposite of what we're used to. And Jesus does that often. You know, the last shall be first. Uh, ideas like that wouldn't just naturally work in the world that 
that we go out and work in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's done this with rest as well. I think um, the fourth commandment was certainly taking a day off from physical labor. I mean, but that was just a a shadow of something bigger. Um, he did this with other commandments. Uh, people understand this as soon as I start talking about it. When Jesus started talking about the Ten Commandments, he he picked a few out, right? And he said, like, for adultery, it's not just the physical act of adultery that the Old Testament concept was really pointing to. So if you're hyper-focused on the outward behavior that the commandment prohibits, then you're missing the deeper point. And Jesus said, it's really about lust in the inward part of a person. That's what we want. Because the outward behavior is just a manifestation, right? It's just, right. Yeah. It, it's not the, the deeper yeah. problem. Yeah. So he did it with murder as well, right? Mm-hmm. If you're only concerned about actually physically murdering somebody, that you're missing the whole point of, of the original commandment, not just the way Jesus retaught it. He said the original commandment wasn't about that either. It was it was about the inner condition of, you know, the hatred that we have within our soul that leads to somebody committing that act. Amen. And so why is it a, well, why would it be a surprise if we got to the fourth commandment about Sabbath and find that he did a very similar thing? I mean, he took this idea of physical rest one day a week and Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is talking about the this idea of, you know what, this is not just about not doing work. You're missing yeah. the point, and especially one day a week. Mm-hmm. Because if rest, let's think about this. Uh, most people think the opposite of rest is work. Okay, that that sounds basic, I know. <laughs> no, that's That's true, though. Yeah. So if I was to ask a crowd, what's the opposite of rest? Typical response would be work. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I'm working, I'm not at rest. Let's start thinking about rest in a different context. Let's start thinking about it as a soul condition instead of a physical activity. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we begin to see that the opposite of rest is restlessness. Mm which is a soul condition that Jesus wants to cure. And then the next obvious question is, what is what makes us restless? Well, I'm going to argue, and I do in my book, I'm going to argue that we are restless when we're not where we're supposed to be in life, doing the thing that we're supposed to be doing. Amen. Right? Amen. And a, and a lot of people find themselves in that condition. It's just a... You know, it's a common occurrence out, I, I call it the curse-a-day world, mm-hmm. the, that world that we have to go out into and live in and function in. Um, we go out there and a lot of us are just caught doing something on a regular basis, oftentimes from, you know, our job, for money, that we're just not called to, that doesn't <laughs> click all the switches, <laughs> right, in our life. <laughs> Uh, doesn't wake us up in the morning excited. And so when we think about rest, what I want to start thinking is how do 
how do I get my soul at rest? Because when I listen to what Jesus had to say, when I read about what the author of Hebrews wrote about the topic in chapters three and four, what we're talking about is not physical cessation of labor, physical labor. What we're talking about is how do we get our souls to a point where they are at rest? And the interesting thing is I can be doing my work and I can be at rest. And that's the flip of the script that Jesus did. Um, So really the question of, is it a weekend activity? Should I take one day a week off? Should I feel guilty if I'm having to work on Sunday? I think we're asking the wrong question. I mean, I think we're approaching it from a fourth commandment standpoint, which is a cul-de-sac, which gets us caught and we miss the bigger theology yeah. of the, that Jesus was trying to point us to. Amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this interview with Greg Hall. Folks, this is a great topic and a great interview. I mean, his perspective on the Sabbath and, and our approach to it here from the West about what it means and what it doesn't mean. And is it this day or is it this day? Do you really have to do it? Because, you know, the Jesus did away with the law and all. These are questions everybody is asking. And his unique perspective on this answers a lot of those questions in a way that helps you understand the reason why. All right. I urge you, drop down to the show notes, click the links there, get in touch with Greg Hall, order his book, Rethinking Rest, Why Our Approach to the Sabbath Isn't Working. Folks, this is a needful book in this day and time, and it's going to help you draw closer to Jesus. There is no doubt about it at all. Drop down the show notes, click the link right there, but be sure you come back for the next episode because we're going to be continuing this interview. It's part two of three parts with Greg Hall. And I'm excited because I know that the topic is just getting deeper. And folks, you do not want to miss it. All right. So till then, this past about reminding to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith 
and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.